All right, here we go. Welcome to this episode of Brews Interviews. I'm Leonard, and I'm excited to be here with Adam Martinez, the Director of Media and Marketing from the Lost Abbey. Adam, thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's a, it's a Friday in the beer industry, so it pretty much means it's Saturday. Um, so yeah, <laughs> could be worse. And uh, the first thing, it's 2022. I mean, that really only means one thing for Lost Abbey fans. It's the triennial return of the Duck Duck Goose. So um, I have a, a bottle that you've generously provided for uh, me to pop. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and open this up. Do you, what do you have? You have one of the, you have something over there for? for uh, yeah, I'm going to grab it out of the fridge now. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I won't be opening one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. What did you, what did you, what did you pour? Uh, I have a uh, noble tendencies. This is our um, Czech Pilsner. It's the oh, first Lost Abbey beer we ever put in a can. That's um, one of our favorites. We drink more of this at the brewery than anything. And then I have the officially licensed uh, Duck Duck Goose uh, oh, very Teku cool. glass, of course. And if you see yeah. behind me, I, I erected a Lost Abbey shrine behind me. <laughs> I see the box set and I see the three bottles of bread. Yeah, to represent you, represent our, our appreciation of Lost Abbey for uh, today. So cheers, my friend. Thank you cheers. for joining us. Of course. Wow. I don't think, I don't think that wow factor for the duck that goose like ever diminishes. It really doesn't. We, um, we opened one, we opened a 2016 and a 2019, probably like a week and a half ago, just to kind of see where they're at. And all of us, it's just one of those beers you take a sip and you just kind of contemplate a little bit and you're like, okay, I'm ready for another sip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a it's lot like, of, there's a lot of silence in between sips. Everyone's just kind of thinking. And it's a perfect weather for, for this beer right now, right? We're getting yeah. a little warmer uh, these days, it looks like. So it's a perfect uh, beer for this weather. So you've been at Lost Abbey since 2013. Correct. Is that, does that mean you were around for the first bottling of this? Because I think the first public release for this was 2013. It was 2009, actually. Um, so I, I thought yeah. I read somewhere that 2009, you guys produced it, but I think it, well, I thought it was a, the first public release was a 2013. 2009, the first, uh, correct, the uh, first bottling was 2009, but it was more of like a, a wider uh, barrel night kind of stuff. And then when I started in 2013, um, well, I, I come from the world of radio. And when I saw what beer was doing, I was kind of, how are you still in business selling beer like this? Like, this is crazy. Um, so 2013, when I started and I think it was end of January, you know, we were looking towards duck and, and they were trying to figure out my role and they're like, you don't have to worry about bottle releases. Just focus on marketing. I was like, cool. Like, cause I don't know anything about the bottle release. And we did our first bottle release set Vicante, which is a cognac barrel aged strong ale, uh, which is tasting amazing by the way right now. Uh, if you have a bottle, we have like a case. Um, we had a hundred cases. People were lined up at the door. Wow. We sold out in probably 15 minutes and I was standing out there. I was like, Oh, that was cool. It was a cool first bottle sale. That's the first bottle that I helped write the label for. All of a sudden, these two guys run up and they're sweating and they're like, "Do we miss a sale? Do we miss a sale?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like really sorry. Like, man, we drove here from Arizona. We had a little bit of traffic. Like, really wanted to try this beer." And I'm like, "Hold on, like, don't go anywhere." And I went and grabbed them bottles from our stock. And I'm like, "I don't want you guys to leave empty-handed." They're like, "So sorry. Like, we meant to get here like four hours ago and wait in line." And I'm like, "We can't do this, man. We can't make people wait in line." Like, the craft beer community is getting older. We're having kids. <laughs> you know wives are getting less 
cool with you waiting overnight in parking lots. Um, so 2013 was the first year we put it online to pre-sale it. And then okay. we've been doing that every year since. And then the, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna feel, you know, some pride in the product that you produced. This, this sold out relatively quick, the 2022 release. And when you think about, you know, 13, 16, 19, now we're 22, there's a lot more breweries, a lot, lot, lot more competition out there for, for the market uh, than what than has been historically. And, and, you know, to show that this is still a high level, highly desired beer, I mean, it shows in the fact that it sold out relatively quick. Did you produce a relative to the same amounts that you did in 2019? Uh, pretty much the same. Um, my, uh, well, Pretty much the same of Duck Duck, the original, the actual like Duck Duck Goose. Uh, and then we produced the three-year blend, the mother of ducks, which is a blend of 22, 19, and 16. Um, so that was an additional 130 cases. Um, and th those bottles were limited to two per person, $75 a bottle. Um, so you add those on, we did produce a little more this year than we have in years past. And still went, I mean, super... And you guys broke it up into this, to two sales, which was good. And they still went relatively quick. Uh, yeah, each about a, a um, there was less in the second sale. Um, kind of had this idea, you know, everyone wants to get a certain product, um, whether it's sneakers or, you know, whatever, whatever you're into, you want that product. And, and sometimes timing doesn't work for that. And I get emails all the time from people like, dude, I was at work. I was doing this. I was walking the kids, I was walking the dog, like I missed out. And it's like, all right, you know, if I can help you out, I will. But um, so we figured, let's break it up. If you missed out, um, we'll give you another chance to hit it. So, so yeah, it, it actually worked out really well. Uh, my staff was pretty stoked on doing it that way because once the first sale was over, you know, we had this good lead, like we had this, all right, that's good. All we gotta do is get rid, you know, we'll get rid of this pretty easily too. We just kind of spent four hours promoting it just as like, all right, if you missed out, like you got two hours, you got one hour, it's 30 minutes. Uh, and for us is really good kind of social media content on a, on a marketing level. I was really proud of what my staff was able to do. Very good. Uh, I'm going to getting ahead of myself here. Uh, wanted to go back to some more kind of historical questions. Sure. So how has the, how long has Lost Abbey been brewing? 2006, we opened our doors. We took control of the uh, building from, this was um, Stone's original brewery. Before they moved to Escondido, uh, so we took the building in 2005, opened our doors in 2006. Uh, we started with Lost Abbey and Port. Lost Abbey, obviously, being the Belgian-inspired beers, Port being more continental IPA stuff like that. Um, in 2013, we launched the Hop Concept, so THC, again being more of a velocity brand. You know, low amounts of very high hop beers that just fly out the door. And then, uh, you know, a stroke of genius, we said, why don't we launch two brands during a pandemic? Um, so we launched Tiny Bubbles, right. which is a tart ale, a, a prebiotic uh, tart ale, and then Charisma Tea Company, which is a gluten-free hard tea. Um, we obviously didn't mean to launch it during a pandemic. The plan was throughout 2019 is it was going to be the summer of Charisma and the summer of Tiny Bubbles. And lo and behold, there was no summer. So. <laughs> yeah and do you see now it looks like we're kind of coming out of it i think do you oh yeah see, for sure. you, so when did you reopen we let's see so in march we furloughed about 96 percent of our staff about six of us stayed on uh, including myself 
we switched over to a home delivery system. So mm-hmm. I kind of tweaked our online system so that um, if you ordered $50 of this, it would clear your shipping and then our sales staff would go deliver it throughout the week. Um, worked out great. I bartended. I've never bartended in my life. I mean, I've never had a job where you get tips. So I was stoked on that. Uh, so I would bartend Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was only to go because uh, you still couldn't have any people hanging right. out. Right. Um, so I'd bartend from like two to five, two to six. And then I'd go help out on the canning line for about three or four hours because we were getting crazy orders from Costco and from Trader Joe's because it was all packaged goods. Like that's right. all you can get. And right. I think people were having a little bit of anxiety because their fridges were emptying beer with nothing to do. So they were, they were stocking up on the, on the TP and the beer. Uh, yeah. COVID. So we were, uh, we were doing everything we could. And then on top of it, it was once we got our staff back about two months later, we had our PVP loan. We started looking at, okay, well, we don't know when this is an end. So how do we fix this? And we had all these beers on the docket that didn't have labels because they were going to be draft only. So we had a we had to pivot a lot. I had to create labels out of thin air, beers that we didn't have a story. We just came up with a name. It's like, all right, now I got to build a story behind this weird ass name. It's like, okay, this is, this is what I got to do. It's my jobs, and uh, so it was a. I wouldn't say it was a fun twenty twenty. There was right. a lot of not a lot of fun to it, but it was challenging to a point where I think a lot of us as employees uh, became bigger assets to the company because we we wore so many hats. Yeah, everyone had to pivot and innovate. I mean, that really is a theme of the past two years for for every every business that was out there. Just pivot and uh, and innovate and do business somewhat normally in a very abnormal time. And uh, and you know, it really people really try to support. Now, I know personally, really try to support local businesses and, you know, trying to get food to go and try to just keep people afloat during a, a very, very difficult time. Um, so when did you reopen the tasting room? I mean, that's probably got to be. More... Tasting room reopened. Let's see. I would say, whew, man, maybe July of 2020, obviously with a lot of restrictions. Um, it was only outside patio seating. Okay. You had to have uh, food with every purchase. Um, so oh, yeah. one of my buddies actually started the catering service like right right before the pandemic. And he was there Monday through Friday. He's like, dude, I'll sling tacos if that's what you need. Done. So I'd say it was fun for me because he's a good friend. We uh, grew up in radio together. And he was just there cooking tacos all day. And, you know, you had to have the food in order to be open. And so do you start, are you searching the, the, the people coming back and, and kind of full swing now that we're kind of moving out of this? Absolutely. Uh, we definitely see in the tasting rooms. Um, you know, we have our new tasting room in East Village. Uh, uh-huh. Echo, and that's starting to see a big bump, especially beginning. I mean, we just opened in November. The kitchen opens in about a week. So we're expecting a bigger bump. Padres come start, start playing their first opening day, I think mid-April. Um, but, you know, I was just in San Francisco for SF Beer Week, oh, and yeah. I went to uh, Rare Barrel for their oh, yeah. NorCal versus SoCal thing. Oh, so we might have been there at the same time. I was there oh, that Friday and Saturday when they did the competition. Yeah, I was there Saturday. There you go. Because uh, you guys uh, were featured in the competition. Th- did you guys beat when you're uh, when you're uh, category? <laughs> well, <laughs> tell Alex the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> Alex, I don't know, because Alex is they, the owner of Rare Barrel. We they pitted us against them, and I was like, Come on, dude, like oh. home field. 
I'm, like, looking, no. I'm looking it up. I'm going to look it up while we're Yeah, talking. I, I actually don't know because, I mean, I, but you saw how packed it was Saturday. Like, it I was think a great, it was a great, really event. was a great event. Yeah. Um, my, um, my, I'm an alum from Cal, so anytime I get an excuse to go to Rare Barrel and yeah. Fieldworks, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to uh, twist my arm to get up there. I'm going yeah, to <laughs> I'm gonna be trying to look this up when uh, I, I think you guys won. We won the last time we did it, which I think was because 2020, that was one of my last trips I went to. It was in February, and then that's when March, everything shut down. Because I went to Wakefest in Miami. I came back, then I went to SF Beer Week. I had my whole year, I had trips that I actually didn't want to do. I traveled way too much, and I was like, all right, man, I got to figure out a month to just take off and not travel. The only thing that bugged me was I was supposed to speak at CBC, I believe it was in San Antonio or Austin. And I was really stoked to go there because I'm only I'm a cowboy fan. So if I can go to Texas, I'm like, I'll find a way to get something that I can't get here for the Cowboys. Um, that was the only trip I was bummed. And I wanted to speak because it's a great resume builder. Uh, but yeah, that uh, we won in 2020, I remember. And I was talking to Jay Adams from Rare Barrel. And we were we were putting a spanking on him. He's like, dude, you know I'm going to rig it. And I'm like, I know you're going to rig it, but I see the numbers right now. I'm going to find out whoever's putting those the the actual selections in and he's like that computer's not even on the canvas <laughs> i thought because the last this last event i think norcal kind of dominated socal i thought i thought the fix might have been in a little bit even though they had like the the you know the blind taste testing which i thought was pretty cool yeah um it seemed a little skewed one direction um, it, you know we we get it they, if they want to come to diego and pit up against us like we're more than happy to have it was a fun event. Are you going to be at Wakefest uh, next month? I, I won't. Month? Um, that's uh, the same weekend as uh, Duck Pickup. Which oh, is yeah, that's right. right? That's, a, that's right. That's why I couldn't go because I got to go pick up some duck. Uh, yeah, Jonathan's been texting me. He's like, dude, you got to come out. I'm like, dude, I got a, several thousand people coming out to the brewery. I can't yeah. go to Miami for that's a right. Uh, okay, so why the, why the name Los Abbey? Where does that come from? Actually, one of our owner's ideas, uh, Vince, who's uh, Vince, it's Vince, Gina, and Tommy are our main owners. Uh, Vince had this idea of this abbey that never had a home, like this kind of gypsy abbey that would, you know, be this traveling preacher. And Tommy, who is really good at just picking up on those little, little tiny tidbits. And if he hears something, it just, it sits with him. He's like a lost abbey, the lost abbey. And, you know, most of us being recovering Catholics, he's like, I got to find a way to incorporate the cross. So if anyone hasn't looked at our cross closely, it has all four ingredients of beer kind of in it. Um, and it kind of grew from that. And, you know, port, obviously Vince and Gina being from Pizza Port, you know, we were going to be the production arm of Pizza Port. We were going to make all the Pizza Port beers. And that was what's going to go into storage. Last minute, they changed it. And they're like, let's just make them separate brands and keep them separate. We're still sister companies, but um, what they make, we don't make, and what we make, they don't. Uh, so yeah, that, that was kind of where the name come from. I mean, it's, it's funny, uh, Noble Tendencies, this Czech Pilsner I'm drinking, somehow, sometimes when we come up with names, they're very deep and they, they have so much meaning. And um, Tommy was in a meeting with our head brewer, Steve, and Steve asked about a hop. And he's like, would you consider this hop of the Noble family? Tommy's answer was, it has noble tendencies. So Steve like runs to my office. He's like, I got the next beer name. He's like, noble tendencies. I'm like, I love it. What does it mean? He's like, I don't know. 
but it's a rad name and he tells me the story i'm like that's a great story i'm like it's dumb as hell but it, it i like it because they didn't even use the hops that they were talking about <laughs> it's, hey if it sounds cool put it in the can right yeah so um so yeah so that that name kind of came up just from a conversation that vince was having with tommy and it struck with tommy they were already looking to open a brewery together a separate one uh mm -hmm. with the production wing so it all just kind of fit hand in hand and then working with sean Dominguez to create the cross like uh, yeah, it was meant to be. So coming from uh, the radio industry into the craft beer industry, what kind of beers were you drinking early on? Like the, uh, like, I don't, you look like a younger guy than me, so you probably weren't drinking like the Lucky Loggers and the, uh, and I actually, the uh, Mickey's Big Mouth back in the high school. <laughs> so that's the weird thing about me. And, and whenever I tell people this, they don't believe me. I'm like, it's absolutely true. You can ask my buddy Skip where probably. I had two passions in high school. It was radio and craft beer. And so you mean call it, you mean call you mean call it. You know, I definitely it was high school, man. Call, call it. We'll, yeah. we'll edit that out. Call sure. it. But we had uh, we had friends and we'd go to like stores and we'd sneak in and kind of pick out a new six pack. And so that was our that was our deals. We'd go to Keggers with like Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. And oh, the yeah. whole idea was we'd go there and you know, girls would notice us. That never worked. But then we started drinking the beer and we're like, this has so much more flavor. So it became this thing where we were just on a quest to try all these new beers. Uh, I think at that point, when, when I first started getting into beer, when I was 21, actually, I was into the big beers, like the barley wines, the big stouts. Um, IPAs really hadn't made a move yet, right. but, you know, I was just looking for something that had the most flavor that was so much different from you know, the lone brows that I grew up drinking that, you know, you'd, um, oh, sorry, I'm getting the unstable internet thing. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, so it was the bigger beers. And once I started working for Lost Abbey, is, you know, we make Judgment Day, which is our Belgian quad. Right. Am I losing you? No, no, you're good. Um, you're good. And I, okay, cool. Sorry, it's just a video. Um, I would take one of those home and it's 11.5% beer. And, and I take one to the house and I wake up the next day and I'm like, geez, like, this is crazy. And they're like, dude, don't take those home. Like take the high tide home at 6.5, you know, take the monk or the wipeout home. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So it took me a while. And then probably like two or three years in, all I was drinking was, you know, double IPAs. And then a year later it's, it's single IPAs. And now all that I'm drinking is, a pilsner or a lager or something that's five or below because it's like you know i like to have a couple beers and you can't have a couple beers if you have those and you know maintain especially in a you know a marketing role like i gotta be on i gotta be able to talk and i'm over here slurring like that that travels in the beer industry like man adam can't handle it so it's, yeah you stick with the you stick with the five percent so i'll have an ounce of a stout every now and then um you know obviously i was in my sour phase too everyone had their sour phase oh, yeah and uh, while I love sours, to me, again, I can have like four ounces of one and I'm pretty content. Well, the sour is also the one that the older you get, I think the more intolerant you become of like that, the, just the sour. And, uh, you know, the whole where we were at the, uh, the Zwanzi yeah. Day at, uh, at Beachwood for the Cantheon event a couple of months ago. And, the, you know, everyone, everyone had their tums. Everyone had their tums ready to go for, oh, yeah. uh, for the stomach problems with all the sour. And, you know, it's a four hour event and that's really all there is to drink are sour beers. So um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, but it's an enjoyable one. 
have you ever gone back to have some of those old beers from your for your younger day, days? Like, have you had like when's the last time you had like a Foster's or uh, or a Lowenbrow or like a Heineken? Do you ever go back and revisit those beers? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I love I love a good I love a good like lawnmower beer. I mean, if I, I went to a, a an opening of a bar and the bartenders were horrible like they weren't making i mean everyone was asked for cocktails i'm like hey can i get that beer and they gave me the wrong one i'm like oh. so i opened it, it was a can i opened it took a sip i'm like no no i won't say the name of the beer but i put it down and then i noticed that the front of the bar they had a tray of tacates and me and a buddy just went and like dude we're just gonna sit here like free tacate like oh. all day um you know, I, I think it takes, I've always told people, because whenever anyone has a, cra- a beer with me, they're like, man, are you just going to like judge what I drink? I'm like, you drink whatever you want. Like, I don't care. <laughs> My thing has always been, it takes three to four years of drinking craft to get over that pretentiousness that you have to, you know, evangelize everything. Like if, if I want a martini, I'm going to drink a martini. Like, right. I don't always want that. But I mean, there are those favorites, I think, you know, look like the Sierra Nevada Pale we can go to a beer bar with 50 beers on the wall. And if I see Sierra Nevada Pale, I'm going to get that. If I see yeah. a society pupil, I'm going to get that. I know what that tastes like. And I know everyone loves to make new beers and try all these new hops. And I, I'd say half of them work, if that. And the worst thing that can happen, um, I remember it was one of my first experiences with Tommy Arthur uh, visiting an account. We didn't have a salesperson at the time. So we go to this account, Tommy goes to the restroom. I walk in, I order this beer. It was a, it was a sushi beer. It's a rice lager. And they pour it to me and I take a sip and I'm like, Oh, it was diacetyl. I was like, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be a long one. So we sit (laughs) down, we're talking with the owner slash beer bar, beer buyer. Tommy comes back to the bathroom. He ends up ordering the same beer, just kind of random. He sits down next to me and he, he takes a sip and he's like, Oh, and I look over, I'm like, dude, like, come on. He's like, oh no, it just kind of hit me. It's uh, yeah, and he plays it off like Tommy does. You and, can do the uh, you could do the sake bombs to kind of you know. Yeah, it, it, we we needed something. So probably like two three minutes later, the beer buyer goes to the bathroom. I'm sitting there and I look at Tommy's beer and there's probably like an inch left, and I'm like, dude, why? He's like, you like that? He's like, no. He's like, but I want another one. So you chug it. You're going to be sitting there sipping the whole time. I'm like, yeah, okay, lesson learned. So. Now it's, it was that pre-pandemic, the other thing that we do is you order a horrible beer, pass it around the group so that everyone tastes it. And everyone's like, why did I taste this? I don't know. <laughs> but thanks for the almost empty thing. And now I'm not going to drink it because everyone drank out of it. So. It's, and, and I think it's kind of like perspective too, though, right? You want to see, you know, where, where beers, the, the journey of beer kind of to get into like an existent, beer existentialism. I mean, beers come a long way. I mean, and it's, come, it's come a long way in a relatively short amount of time when, when you think of, you know, the history of beer. Um, the, the Torpedo is probably my go-to, like for Sierra, Sierra Nevada. That oh, yeah, Torpedo right. beer is outstanding still after all these years. It's, it's a great beer. They come in 19 twos now, don't they? I think well, I'm sorry. Seen, they come in 19 twos, like tall cans. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think when I, la- when I was in Chico last, I remember getting <laughs> huge cans of torpedoes. And I was with a buddy. I was like, get another one. Like, I've never might, seen this. That might be a Chico only uh, regional. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I see the 12 packs. I, the, I pick up the 12 pack, like 17 bucks for a 12 pack of uh, torpedoes, like a great deal, man. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, so yeah. this year, this year, very recently, you released the Rare Bear Cable Car Creek, and you actually had a vintage version of it. Um, what are some of the white whales you've produced over the years? Um, you know, obviously, Cable Car Creek, which was first brewed or first bottled in 2011, is one of the biggest ones. Uh, they were able to randomly find, we, we're going through all of our vintage kegs to see what's around, to see what we can pour. We have, you know, duck days coming up that we want to pour stuff. Our anniversary is coming up. Um, so they were going through kegs and they saw 2011 CC, which is cable car in our world. And it never popped in any of our minds that that's the creek here. So when they went to the, the main thing of checking all these kegs, some of them may not be what they should. Be. So they started pouring this one and it came out red and our uh, purchasing guy who doesn't know a ton about our, our history was like, Hey, I, I tapped this keg of cable car, but it's red. Tommy runs to the coal box. He's like, how many of these kegs do we have? He's like, we got three. I'm like, okay. So he, I wasn't in the office that day. He's texting me. He's like, how quick could you make a 375 lift? I'm like, if I have the art, take me 20 minutes. So he's like, Cable Car Creek 2011. I'm like, what? So, <laughs> um, this was probably November of uh, 2021. And um that was the we were like okay like are we really gonna do this like this is crazy i'm like okay so what are we gonna like are we gonna put them in 750s he's like no that's not cool for everyone like we need to be able to people to try this beer and bucket list it um our club had gotten the 2021 cable car creek the year before so i'm like let's what if we just double it up and you can get two bottles of the uh, 2011 and a single bottle of the 750 um and it was 20 seconds, 100, was it ton? No, 200 cases were gone, 200 to three packs. I mean, they just flew. Um, yeah. I got to try it right off the line and it was, I was like, okay, I get it. Uh, but that's that's definitely a big one. Uh, Isabel Proximus, another huge one that people are still searching out. You know, that was the collab between uh, Tommy Arthur, uh, Rob Todd from Allagash, Adam Avery from Avery, uh, Vinny from Russian River, and uh, Sam from Dogfish all took a trip to Belgium, had a great time. They said we should make a beer. Wow. Uh, they all uh, gave beer and it was barreled in, in at the Lost Abbey. They all worked on the blend. Uh, originally, that beer was given away at a, at a dinner. It was it was the centerpiece. Um, so I don't believe it was ever sold. Wow. Uh, that's like that's like the Mount Rushmore of uh, craft brewers right there. Yeah, so it's it's crazy so, uh, the fact that you know I have friends that friends in the industry that was at that dinner and they like dude I just grabbed three bottles because it was free <laughs> beer on the table I didn't know what it was and uh, yeah so that's one of those beers I've been lucky to have it a few times it's still tasting amazing it's almost and it's a blonde sour but the tangerine note in it is so just abundant like it's it's crazy. Um, being able to taste that beer but we actually were thinking about bringing it back ooh, 2017 maybe 2018 and the guys all got together and they're like do we really want to chase that dragon like we kind of made the beer like do we want to come below that and they all of them are like no forget it meanwhile i'm printing shirts for the new one oh. like, they're already in production i'm like serious guys like <laughs> this is the plan uh so yeah, Isabel's definitely one. Most cable cars, most people haven't been able to try a cable car. It's only been sold at a Tornado's. Right. Uh, only 
this year have we actually sold it out of the Lost Abbey. Um, Churchill's Finest Hour uh, yeah. is a beer we've made for Churchill's in San Marcos. Um, now, now I have a I have a beer in my closet. I should have I should have brought it out. It's like Templar something Templar. It's a Templar. Um, that was a beer that was never released. There's no label on it, right? No, it just has a tag like a tag on it. Yeah. So Knights of Templar was a bourbon barrel aged strong. It was very, very experimental. Uh, it was aged in bourbon barrels and then I believe in wine barrels. Um, I actually have the original art. It's very not our style. Because uh, we were going to think about bringing it back. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have to redo the art because that just looks weird. Um, so yeah, that was a super experimental, experimental beer that were, they were doing more of. Uh, you know, when you're smaller and you're not a big production brewery, you know, brewing beers for in, in batches for Costco and places like that, they were able to kind of play around with these small batch runs. Uh, Knights of Templar was one of those. Um, I've actually never had that. Oh, see, I see. There's not a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> those beers actually live in our, our cold box. So there's about one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven pallets of bottles that live in the cold box that you can't get to unless you have about two hours in a forklift. So those ones stay hidden. That's where the Isabella is. That's where the creek is. Now that's the, where the is. The, what you see behind me is the ultimate box set, which was probably a, a pretty limited, well, it was a limited run. Um, with had a bunch of, I mean, you know, the, I think were these the first times we've seen these beers was during that uh, 2013? So those came out, it was a year before my time. Um, each, I believe, month they released a track. So January would have been track one. You could go and you could try it, you could buy it. Okay. I think a bottle or two. Very limited sales. And each month that went on, you could buy another track. And the thing was, if you, you know, you could buy them all and then uh, when I think it was November, they introduced the actual box set, this big roadie case with actually 13 beers. They added a 13th beer uh, with, I think it was bourbon barrel aged with uh, peaches. It was a bourbon barrel aged stout with peaches, I think. Um, so yeah, then you, could, you had to enter a lottery. Uh, if you got it, you got the chance to purchase this $400 box of beers. Uh, we see people all the time that, I mean, we've seen that box come down uh, the conveyor belt at airports. People use it to like check, oh, nice. their, check their bottles. It's crazy. That's a great, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen a couple, like we'll be traveling somewhere like any cool. and all of a sudden that thing comes down. I'm like, did we bring that? And you see <laughs> someone pop in there like, this is the best way to travel with beer. Like, that is pretty cool. I didn't thought of that. Like, yeah. Bringing back your hall of beer from uh, from out of state or on a plane, take that to the airport. Yeah. Uh, so what did, did any, do you know why, what was the thought process on using like a, like a, like a heavy, heavy metal rock and roll theme for the, uh, for the bottles? Tommy, even though he doesn't have much hair is definitely a hair metal guy. Okay. Uh, so he, that's his music. When he listens to music, he's going to listen to some older stuff. Uh, he teamed up with Matt Varnish. Um, Matt Taylor from Varnish uh, Design, who's actually, a, I think he's won two Grammys for his, uh, for his work uh, with CD, you know, big soundtrack stuff, um, like compilation stuff. And they came up with this idea, like, what if, you know, each track is after a different song, you know? And um, I think it was a very simple idea that they just took to the nth degree. And then when I believe Varnish was like, what if we do this roadie box? And like, that's what it came in. Granted now, I mean, the cost to make that versus what we actually sold it for was kind of, it was kind of a wash, um, but it was cool and it was rad. No one's ever done it. Uh, I think Tommy gifted one of those to Ken Gross from, from Sierra Nevada. 
And he was like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And like, that's the godfather of craft beer saying, you did good. And uh, so, yeah, any it was thoughts, a cool Any idea. thoughts about uh, trying to do that, put that together again? We've been thinking about it. We don't want to go down the same road. Um, there's a couple ideas we floated. Definitely be along the same lines. It's just, uh, I think 2018 was the last conversation we had. And I had an idea. I'm obviously not going to share it. Tommy had an idea. <laughs> and uh, one of our brewers had an idea. So we're going to try to figure out the theme and then go off of there. Um, 2019 was a super busy year. Obviously, 2020 happened. Uh, so the hope is once we kind of get out of this, get back to more normalcy that we can count on being able to spend the amount of money and the, the investment it is to create something that cool because you don't want to half-ass it. We can't half-ass it after the first one. It was so rad with the custom album, the vinyl, all that stuff. Um, so the goal is to do it again. We just, we got to get home on, on a few things and, you know, the rest of the world needs to figure out their stuff and, and then uh, we, we can play, we can play around with it. And that's really what I think us and most brewers are ready for is, to get back to experimenting, doing really cool things. Uh, but right now, a lot of us are a little gun shy. So, yeah. But yeah, I think it'll happen. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, all right, let's keep on going. So, tell us what is Duck Duck Goose for, for I mean, not everyone's had it. And, and you know, it is a rare beer. It's still a whale beer. For what sure. is Duck Duck Goose? Duck Duck Goose is a traditional goose. Uh, so, goose is a blend of one and two and three-year-old barrels. So that's why we only release it every three years. We, we need the barrels to mature to a point that they can be blended. Um, you want you know those younger barrels to have a, a little more acidity, older barrels to get a little more oak on there, uh, a little more depth and in, in complexity. So it's a long process. I mean, I watch the brewers doing it constantly and they're setting out glasses and you know, you're pouring a little bit in that one, a little bit in that one. You know, I always tell them, like, just tell me what you like, and then I'll try that. Because I don't want to, you know, you can find a super acidic barrel, and I can taste it and be like, Jesus. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, this blended with this is gold. So you have to play this really kind of, it's it's half art, it's half science. It's just this, you know, amalgamation of everything. And, uh, you know, it's always been a traditional blonde sour. So, you know, the fruit notes you get, the tropical notes, it's all from the blending process, which... Uh, I think just kudos to our, our brew crew and Atami uh, for always just knocking it out of the park. So how is this version going to be different? Uh, this version should be kind of on par. So uh, if you were to taste the 2019 versus the 2016, um, they differ quite a bit. We did a 2013, 2016, 2019 in 2019, and they were considerably different. You got way more kind of breadth from the 2013 and you saw that brightness kind of come back from the 2016 and the 2019 you just had this nice lemon spritziness. Um, you didn't get as much bread, you didn't get as much oak. Uh, so it, this is a beer that evolves and, you know, most people, whatever the max is, they'll buy the max so that they can open one now. They can save one for a year, save them for another year, trade a beer, um, give one to a friend. I mean, those are always, we always hear the stories like my buddy gave me one. I'm like, but right. you got a cool friend then because... <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, so yeah, each each year kind of is very on point with how that year came out, and then it's how it evolves, uh, which is always it's fun to kind of watch. You know, we did uh, peach afternoon, which is a, which is a uh, blonde sour with white peaches and white tea, mm -hmm. and we just rebottled that and we pitted up against the 2019 version, mm -hmm. and like 
2019 just sounds amazing or tastes amazing. Uh, and then you taste this brightness that we remember this gummy candy from the new bottle. And it's like, okay, I don't know what I like better, but you know, they're, they're now different two years apart. Yeah. We just had the peach afternoon on the last show. I believe it was an excellent beer. Yeah. It was a really good beer. So the mother of all ducks you were saying is a blend of the 2016, the 2019 and the 22 versions of duck, duck goose. Correct. So, so we we took kegs of all three, and uh, it's primarily I think it's about forty five to fifty percent twenty two, and then um, I think it's like twenty five and like twenty five of uh, sixteen and nineteen. So, uh, so that one's gonna be you're gonna have a lot more. Sorry, it's okay. Um, you're gonna have a lot more oak, and you're gonna have a nice like tartness from. Um, the 20 uh from the 2019 just really kind of popping uh i'm excited to try that they blended it uh it's in the hot box right now i haven't had a chance to taste it so that's the one i'm like you normally employees each get one bottle of everything i don't know that i have enough to make that happen but at one point we're going to open a bottle so that each employee can at least try it and that that immediately becomes a white whale yeah. immediate immediately I, yeah. <laughs> I, that I one got, went I, a lot we, we were wondering at $75 a bottle if people were going to scoff. And I was like, ah, I'm like, I don't think so. I'm like, that's a cool. We changed the label. It's still called Duck Duck Goose, but, you know, we inverted everything. We made it, you know, much more matte black and, and you know, have a gold foil um, duck on it. Um, you know, we did actually two different glassware this year. We did a Duck Duck glass and we did a Mother of All Ducks glass um, just to kind of like, like, this is, this isn't going to happen again. We don't know that right. we can do this again, that we have enough kegs to even do this again. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to try that one. And, and that's one, I mean, that sold, we sold out of that extremely quick in the first yeah. sale. Uh, it actually oversold a couple. And I was like, ah, okay. Well, second one, second sale is not going to have as many, but it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, I was able to get two bottles of that. I wasn't able to get the Cable Car Creek. That went like, I wasn't fast enough for that one. But the, so the, I'm excited to try the Mother of All Ducks, uh, which is going to be, I guess your release is now on April 9th and April 10th, which is coming up pretty soon. Pretty quickly, what, yeah. What can we expect on that day? I'll be there on April 9th. So when I get there, what can I expect? So we'll have um, two of the parking lots kind of cordoned off. So there's going to be a lot of outdoor space. Uh, if you haven't been there in a while, seeing our new tasting room, um, we have a new patio area, uh, bigger indoors tasting room, uh, a ton of, we're going over the, the kegs right now of what beers we'll be able to put on tap. So tap list will be awesome. We'll share that beforehand. Um, vintage bottles. We're going to fill our vintage case with a bunch of beers. Nice. I've been talking to our, our GM. Um, so yeah, we're just going to just create just a really beer centric event. Uh, you know, a lot of festivals that I go to, there's always this there's a band playing over here. There's a, you know, there's something ongoing over here. I'm like, we're, we're about beer this weekend. Like this is our, you know, our, one of our flagship whales and, and we're going to celebrate that. So we're just going to make the whole day about drinking good beer in moderation, obviously. And, and being able to, you know, fill your cellar back up. Uh, you know, we always encourage people. I think it's Allagash that does the, the, you know, drink your cellar. And we always promote that. Some, I mean, there's plenty of times where, I, I usually gift away like a bottle of cable car. I'm like, I should have just opened it. Like, but my cellar's full. I got these other beers that other breweries send me. And, and you know, you, you still got to be nice. You got to be kind. But, uh, but yeah, we're just giving <laughs> people an opportunity to, 
to fill their cellars back up, try a bunch of beers that maybe they haven't tried in a while or never tried because they didn't have the availability. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm hearing there might be some Cable Car Creek available uh, on, on April 9th. Perhaps. Very possible. Very possible. <laughs> Not the 2011. Oh, no. Like a pour, like pours of uh, full pours of uh, Cable Car Creek uh, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> if I had it, it would have been bottles, believe me. <laughs> so the, the one thing I remember, and I remember um, I was there last year, and then I guess you probably, and then I'm sorry, but it was there in 2019, and I was there in 2016. And I have to ask the question about the urinals you guys had at that 2016 event. Oh, dude, those things are so awkward. Are, are they going to be? Are they going to be back? No, they won't be back. I was just said. You know what I'm talking about. I right? do know what you're talking about. I get pee shy, man. So no, I, I hated them when we ordered. Them. I gotta I wait, at, wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta describe it because yeah. you and I know what we're talking about. But I gotta at least create a visual. It was, it was a circular, open air, uh, circular structure that was open air and it was divided into fourths and and each fourth was a urinal but it was open air and there was a maybe a three foot kind of uh kind of privacy screen yeah (laughs) the the, the, three foot privacy screen for you to open and close and you basically would walk in there and you would urinate and basically you would be could wave to people uh, (laughs) oh you were yeah I was at I was at Ruby's this last week. It was a great event, but they had the same things. But their that little privacy screen wasn't there. No, no. I was <laughs> I walked over and I was like, oh, I'll wait in line with the girls. Like I'm really, I was talking to this other guy. He's like, he's like, oh man. I'm like, if you get t-shirts, fine, dude. Like just go wait in line. We'll go grab another beer. Just someone will hold our our spot. Uh, on the on the other hand, if you have to go, you have to go. So yeah. nothing's going to stop you from. Uh, I, I was working the event, so. I wasn't really drinking. Um, I'm like, I, I can hold it. It wasn't like a, I drank too much beer. I got to pee. It was like, I just drank a bunch of water. I'm good. My body's hydrated. So, so yeah, I didn't have to rush on that one. So I have my uh, my bottles I'm getting ready to pick up. I just uh, reserved the room, which is like right down the street from you guys. So I'm going to be ready to uh, to enjoy some of these amazing beer that you guys are going to share with us on uh, on April uh, on April 9th. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, and I want to, again, this has been uh, Adam Martinez of Lost Abbey, my namesake. Um, <laughs> I, I want to I thank you for your time today, and, uh, and I'll see you soon, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.